episode is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash TFN for your free audiobook download. The following is a presentation from your friends at Forcecast.net. It's the Forcecast. Home to the official podcast of the Force.net. I feel the Force. And RebelScum.com. You rebel scum. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. Who need that? No, no, no! Ah, Lawa! Who need Welcome to the Forcecast, your weekly dose of Star Wars news and much more. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. All systems have been alerted to your presence, sir. Check it out, Corporal. Roger, Roger. Now it's time for the Weekly Forecast. We would be honored if you would join us. Boy, it's not often that we get somebody asking to be on our show. Normally we're out there doing the asking. But we have uh, an amazing guest to kick off. This week's Forcecast, by the way, this week's episode for March 11th, 2011. If you're new to the program, welcome. My name is Jason, and with me, my good friend and yours from Chicago, Jimmy Mack. Hey, Jason. Hey, Star Wars fans. Glad to be back after taking a week off from the the Forcecast. And, um, you know, we were keeping ourselves busy during our downtime and in following along with our correspondence, and you guys really do know how to fill up our email inbox, uh, forcecast at forcecast.net, and you also know how to fill up our Facebook page, the official Facebook page, force-cast on Facebook, and much to my surprise, Jason, uh, we, we, we got a, a, a post on, on our Facebook page from a guy named Steven Stanton, who should be known to Clone Wars fans by now. He's the voice of Captain Tarkin. And Steven put up uh, just, I think it was on Sunday, he said, Hey, Jimmy and Jason, Captain Tarkin here. Love your podcast on the Citadel, but I promise I'll try to start trilling those R's for you. Oh, oh, in- <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I mean, that's uh, obviously he's, res- he's responding to some, uh, some comments we made on the last roundtable. But he does let us know Dave is in charge of this, and we don't doubt that for a second. He says, thanks for bailing me out with the younger voice angle because I was getting worried. Be sure to catch next week's episode for the wrap-up. And so, Stephen, you know, Jason, you said um, we're not used to having people ask to be on the show. I I don't think Stephen really asked, but he definitely dangled the bait in front of me, (laughs) and I took it and reached out to Stephen, and he was gracious enough to join us this week on the Weekly Forcecast. How's it going, Stephen? Hi, guys. It's going great. It was a very Tarkin-esque maneuver on my part, I guess. Huh? <laughs> Dangling those things. You know, Stephen, we were on the... We were just, Greetings, we just, I should say. <laughs> yeah, we just wrapped up the last roundtable, and we were talking about the character of Tarkin, and we were questioning whether or not he's dangling some of these little things out in front of uh, of Anakin Skywalker. So thank you for, for dangling the comment out there. And you always keep us on our toes. You know, it's always good to know, um, you know that folks are listening, particularly folks, folks that are... Uh, uh, a, a part of the Clone Wars. You know, we wouldn't we wouldn't do this every week if we weren't passionately in love with what you guys are all doing there at the Clone Wars and uh, with Star Wars in general. So it, it's great to have you on. Well, thank you. It's it's great to be here. It's uh, I think it's going to be fun. 
And along with what Jason said, it's also rather daunting sometimes to think about who's actually listening to this show because we want to be honest with our opinions. And during the Clone Wars Roundtable, I did say that I felt that your Tarkin might have been lacking a little bit of the Shakespearean element that Peter Cushing brought to the table. And that, keep in mind, I did make those comments after only seeing the first episode of the Citadel trilogy, which featured Tarkin in only the third act of that episode. So we didn't really get a full taste of, of, of what you're bringing to Tarkin. But what did you think of that? I mean, do you think I'm just out of my mind? Because I don't know what goes on in the recording booth. Like you said, <laughs> Dave is in charge. Tell us a little bit about what kind of direction Dave Filoni gave you and, and how you approached the character of Captain Tarkin. Well, part of the way that I approached it was, you know, I, I got this uh, as, an, as an audition, like I do, you know, uh, like uh, a lot of my other work. It came in as an audition, and I saw, oh, well, there's a Clone Wars audition, and it's, it's for uh, Captain Tarkin. And I was like, oh, my God, this is, uh, this is great. You know, I'm a big fan of Peter Cushing. So, you know, I was thinking about it in terms of, okay, this is the, the Clone Wars. So this is not the Tarkin that we all know from A New Hope. This is a, a younger Tarkin, and we haven't really... We haven't seen him, you know, or actually heard him. So, yeah, I was approaching it from the standpoint of, uh, of, a, younger, uh, of a younger Tarkin who maybe doesn't have that quite the sinister edge yet that we're used to uh, hearing, you know, from episode four. So that's the, that was my audition. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, I got the word back that I, that I got the role. So I was very excited. So, uh, you, know, you know, Dave and the, and the guys and everybody else liked what I was doing. And, um, you know, so we're just kind of like building the character from there. Now, how long ago uh, was that, Stephen, that you auditioned for Tarkin? Do you, re- do you recall? That was, well, it was last year, you know, that, yeah. uh, that I did that and that we recorded. I don't know exactly the month, you know, that, that sure, I did but it so in, it was about, but, a year, uh, about a year ago. But it was ago, a while yeah. back now, you know. It's been, a, you know, it takes a while to get these things right. animated and on the air and, you know. Yeah, I mean, I mean you've known that Tarkin was going to be uh, appearing on The Clone Wars for quite some time then. I know that sometimes... And yes, and I couldn't talk about it to anybody, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it was just like, yeah. No, yeah, no, yeah, no talking about Tarkin, yeah. Like, yeah, mm-hmm, doing some good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> now, you've been a fan for for some time right a star wars mm-hmm. fan so did, did you realize uh how big this was that tarkin was coming to the clone wars oh absolutely i mean i from the standpoint of like if you could have just asked like hey so what character would you like to play and you know uh tarkin is one of those classic characters from the very first star wars film that you know just kind of you know everybody he's the villain that people love to hate i mean when i first saw the movie back in 1977 when i was a kid you know, when I, when he first came on the screen, I got so excited. I'm like, oh, my God, Peter Cushing is in this film. I mean, this film is going to be this, this film has just got everything in it. Now, when you say thanks for bailing me out with the younger voice angle, I thought you were being a little facetious in that comment. But but just hearing your initial comments, I I, I think you're being serious. Did you actually go back and look at some of Cushing's earlier work to sort of see what he sounded like as a younger man? I did. I tried to. Uh, I tried to get you know my hands on a, a number of different things. You know, I you know I was very familiar with Peter Cushing from you know a lot of his uh, earlier the horror things like the Hammer films, but you know he always plays. You know he plays a villain a lot of times, and I wanted to try to get a different side of the character uh, because I thought you know if if Anakin is going to be you know lured or seduced by this guy's uh, ideology or whatever it is, there's got to be something at least if not likable, but something charming about him or something that, you know, 
that uh, makes a connection there. So I actually used uh, one of the things that I was kind of like using as a as a guide was uh, Peter Cushing's performance in the Sherlock Holmes uh, BBC series, the television series, because he's kind of the hero in that instead mm, of the villain. Right. Yes. Yeah, so it's a different kind of a take on the character. That was that's the way I approached it as an actor. Now, whether or not Dave and everybody else, you know, along with the show, you know, they've got their own ideas about how the character, how it, you know, how we should go and develop. But that was where that's how I approached him from that standpoint of not being, you know, completely sinister and evil, and he's going to push the button to blow up the planet. You know, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's got. I, I tried to approach him from the standpoint of somebody who, at least at this point in his career as a military officer, you know, has some humanity and. Uh, Something that you know you can latch on to. I find that very interesting that you used the Sherlock Holmes as uh, sort of your template because that was actually filmed several years after Star Wars: A New Hope. I believe that film he he was in Sherlock Holmes in the early eighties, if I if I'm not mistaken. Well, the, I don't know. The stuff that I have is from the nineteen sixties, the late sixties. Uh, yes, you know, yes, incomplete. Old. You know. I, I don't know if the whole series even exists anymore, but uh, you know that's what I'm working with. Yes, he did do a television series in the 60s. That's right. Did you look at any of the old Hammer films? Well, you know, one of my uh one of my favorites is uh <laughs> is uh, Island of Terror. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that one. That's the one no. where the, the the silicate monsters are loose on this island and Cushing has this incredible scene which I saw this as a kid and it made this impression. <laughs> I mean, he gets his hand chopped off. This guy takes a hatchet, chops his hand off and, and like Very classic, Star Wars. You know, Sort of hammer films, you know, all the the blood coming out of the stump and all that. Kind of just one of those kind of. Like, oh my god! And this was on television, you know, back uh, back when I was a kid. They weren't editing things like that out yet, I guess. So I got, uh, you know, but it's those kinds of films, things like that, that I used to kind of like build the character. And then, of course, I had to leave all that behind me and develop the character based on okay, I have the rhythm, I have the cadence, I have the guy, you know, how I think I how I see him at this point in his life. And then now you have the dialogue that's been given to you. You have to make it work within those parameters. So there's a lot to deal with there. Now, uh, James Arnold Taylor, who you've, you've obviously worked with uh, on mm-hmm. this series, we asked him one time, and he, he said that he had certain lines that when he has to get into his Obi-Wan mode, he has certain lines that he'll, he'll kind of recite and he'll say. Are there, were there any you know, lines from uh, Episode 4, A New Hope, that you kind of would repeat to yourself, or was there any particular bit of dialogue that you would do to kind of get yourself in the Tarkin zone? Um, there's, there's a few that I'll go over in my head, you know, that are just kind of straightforward, uh, you know, kind of like nothing that doesn't have, have a lot of emotion in it. Cause I don't want it to be, you don't want that to color the performance, mm-hmm. you know, things like, uh, the very first scene where he comes in and, you know, makes a statement about the Imperial Senate will no longer be of any concern to us. I have Ooh. just received word that the emperor has dissolved the council permanently. You know, things like that that just kind of get the rhythm going. Wow, that was great. <laughs> that was great. That was the last great. remnants of the old republic have been swept away. Ooh, yes. Yeah, excellent. Wow. Excellent. Fantastic. And tell us about the direction Filoni gave you. Well, Dave is, um, Dave is a great director. He, when we start a session, he spends a lot of time with us as a, as a cast, giving us uh, an overview, an orientation of the story that we're going to work on today. Uh, in some cases, you know, like sometimes you're a cast member that's coming in uh, into the middle of a story arc. So you may not know what happened, you know, in the previous episode. So Dave really tries to work with us on giving us the context of what uh, 
of the story and the, and the scenes that we're about to, you know, about to record. And then when we do this, when we're actually doing the recording, that gives us the freedom as actors to kind of like take chances, uh, develop things, try things a different way. And if Dave likes what we're doing, he gives us go ahead, do more. If we kind of stray off course, he'll kind of reel us in a little bit and say, no, you know, really in this scene, what's going on here? It could be something as simple as changing the motivation or saying, oh, you know, you're actually on top of a building yelling here. So it has to be played a little bit different, you know. But he's very good at letting us explore the scenes, uh, you know, together as a cast. You know, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's very cinematic in that regard. Now, you're not new to the Clone Wars. You've played uh, the character of Masamita. Uh, mm-hmm. So, um, you know, Masamita is one of those characters, Stephen, that we kind of scratch our heads and we go, now, how much does this guy really know? Has, uh, yeah. has, has Dave ever talked to you about what Masamita knows and what he doesn't know? Well, he obviously, well, I shouldn't say obviously, he does that for me so that I have an idea of where mm. to go with my dialogue. But, of course, I can't say of course not, right? <laughs> that would reveal too much. But right. I know what his motivations are in the scenes that, uh, that I'm in, you know, when, uh, when it's been explained to me, when they give me the backstory of what's going on. But he is an interesting character because, you know, he's always right by the chancellor. He's just, you know, he's right by his ear. You know he's got some kind of influence of some sort, but... Yeah, he does tend to look out for himself too. He's another one of those characters that's you know always making sure that he doesn't end up in trouble or in hot water. I want to piggyback on that question a little bit because this has been a topic of discussion on the Force Cast lately, and I just want your opinion. By the time of Star Wars: A New Hope, do you believe Tarkin knew that Darth Vader was actually Anakin Skywalker underneath that helmet? Well, you know, like it. I can only speculate, you know, because, you know, you look at uh, you look at the things that were said in A New Hope between uh, Tarkin and Vader, you know, especially the things about Obi-Wan being his master. And there doesn't seem to be a lot of like questions, you know, from Tarkin. I, I still think it's it could go either way. I, I still think it could be like he knows who it is or he just thinks, oh, this is this, you know, Vader. And uh, he doesn't know. He just only knows him as Darth Vader. I don't think there's enough clues to really sway it one way or the other. It's really I think it's one of those things that we're all going to be surprised to find out when we actually do. Mm, and, and do you think we're ever going to find that out? Or do you well, think it's I don't just know. Left open as well, I, I don't know. It just dep- <laughs> it depends on where, you know, the writers and, uh, and, and George Lucas and Dave and all these people, where they want to take this. You know, I mean, there's, there's so many options, you know, as, uh, you know, where these stories can go. There's so much to explore. I mean, uh, you know, I don't know how they're going to do it all. <laughs> there's, there's just so much uh, material to cover. Stephen, you said in an interview that you actually prefer to sort of learn things as you get the scripts. So in a way, you're kind of right. growing with the audience. Why is that? Well, it keeps it, it, keeps it fresh. You know, if you, do, if, you're, if you get too much of a story sometimes, you know, like it's, it's like the, the scenes in, in the Citadel, you know, uh, the surprise that uh, Tarkin has that, uh, oh, you're, here you are and you've brought friends, I see. Uh-huh. You know, it, uh, I think it makes it more convincing uh, when the situation is new, not only to the character but to the actor itself, to the act, you know, to to the actor as well. We did pose this since we're recording the show live. We we mm-hmm. told our live audience that they could post questions here on on our Facebook page at forcecast.net uh, dot net slash or excuse me facebook dot com slash 
Force, uh, goodness gracious, Facebook.com slash Forcecast. Excuse me, guys. Uh, and trying to read and talk at the exact same time. So we've got some questions here. And I'll get to the most important one first. This okay. is by far, this is the one that everybody wants to know. This is from Stacy Bertrand, Stephen Stanton. I hope Dave Filoni's listening. You might get in trouble by whatever you answer here. Question is from Stacy: Pie or cake? Or now, are we asking Stephen Stanton, or are we asking Tarkin? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Let's ask. Let's <laughs> let's ask. Now, this will really get you in trouble. Let's ask Captain Tarkin. Uh, Captain Tarkin, pie or cake? I think Tarkin would probably say something like, uh, I would like to have my pie and cake, too. Something yeah, like oh, yes, I think he, he would. would. probably want both. He, I don't think there's a, he a doesn't have. No, that. he doesn't have to make choices. No, he, <laughs> if he wants both, they give him both, I'm sure. <laughs> As for myself, I probably would choose, I think I'd choose pie over cake. I'm a big fan of, like, you know, strawberry rhubarb and, you know, peach pie, <laughs> things like that. Yeah. Right. Uh, now, here's a question. This is the more serious Star Wars scholarly kind of question. This is from uh, Jason on our Facebook page. Facebook page. He said, did you do any research into the expanded universe and the Tarkin history? Uh, so anything outside of the films did you uh, were you curious about or did you look into or did you just pick up from uh, from anybody out there? Um, I didn't personally do it, but Dave Filoni has had some discussions with me about certain elements of the expanded universe, which I can't get into. But uh, it was more oh. coming from uh, from from Dave than uh, than my own research. Very interesting. Very interesting. All right. So perhaps perhaps Dave is uh, is is setting uh, teeing up the ball here for a little bit of uh, EU when it comes to uh, the Tarkin character. Uh, hmm. One of our listeners, Elizabeth, asks. Uh, what it, what it's like to work with the cast on the Clone Wars? Do you actually get the opportunity to work with the uh, main cast? Yes, uh, every episode that I've worked on uh, on Clone Wars has all been done with uh, with the, the entire cast there. You know that uh, you know for the episode, or for, except for people that, that that can't be there, or like Tom Kane who lives in another another city and so on. Um, so yeah, so the only time that I come in uh, to do things by myself is when like I'm doing uh, pickup lines from previous episodes, maybe some some rewritten dialogue, or you know something along those lines. But otherwise, I work with the cast. Uh, and I, this was you know everybody's been asking you this question. I thought I was going to be clever and be the only one to ask you this question. I see Pete Vilmer already beat me to it. It's StarWars.com. Uh, the slippers. <laughs> the slippers we got people asking on on facebook page the slippers and and you, you said in the interview uh again over at starwars.com that you just were you just became aware of that story about cushing wearing slippers on the set of uh of star wars yeah a friend of mine told that story to me uh probably about a year ago or so she was relating some some star wars trivia to me that i was unaware of and i was like oh that's that's really that's pretty funny and i always thought were, were they bunny slippers or just like regular house slippers or fuzzy slippers? What, what exactly did they look like i want to know you know is there a, is there a photo i think there might be jim in uh in the big making of star wars book i think there actually might be a photo of him Full body shot of him standing, but it's kind of dark down there. You can't really quite see, but uh, there's... Yeah, go out and dig up my Making of Star Wars book by J.W. Rensler and see if that photo actually exists yeah, in there. I, th I think, I think you're it right, Jason. I think there is a photo. I kind of p picture them as like almost like ballet slippers. I don't, <laughs> I don't know why. Just, you know, very simple... <laughs> 
He probably had something very elegant. You know. I'm sure it was. It or was. not. I don't know. <laughs> it have been whatever wardrobe had that day. Yeah, it, it was before the merchandising of Star Wars. I mean, I'd like to think that it, that it could have been, you know, Darth Vader slippers or Yoda slippers or something. But, uh, you know, um, somebody told me that you did or you do a, a killer Yoda. Can, can we actually hear a little of your Yoda? Well, I did Yoda for uh, somebody in a film, but I've only did it. I'd only did it one time. It was kind of a, you know, uh, it was a spoof Yoda. So, you know, it was like uh, something along the lines of, mm, the regional governors now have direct control over their territories. They do. Ooh. Hey, hey. They're very, very Frank Oz. That is a very Frank Oz uh, uh, Yoda there. Very nice. Very nice. Well, you know what? You've also done a number of voices of Star Wars characters for video games, and you voiced Obi-Wan. Now, I'm curious, both old Ben and young Obi-Wan, or uh, just just old Ben? No, just uh, just the older Ben Kenobi character based on Alec Guinness's performance. That's okay. the one that I did for the games. I see. So you, you don't have, like, you, know, you don't walk in there with James Arnold Taylor and kind of look at him like, okay. No, <laughs> no oh, yeah. nothing like that. James has <laughs> got a handle on the young Ben Kenobi just, just fine. No, or Obi-Wan, I guess. Now, do you, you have a invite. preference? Uh, do you prefer the young Ewan McGregor, Obi-Wan, or, or, or old Ben? Do you have a particular uh, favorite? Well, I, I, it's hard to play favorites because, you know, they're both two different actors and they're not trying to, you know, to be the same actor at the same time, yeah. the same character at the same time in their lives. So I think they're they're both great. I think, uh, you know, uh, Ian McGregor did a great job of, you know, capturing there's a sort of an Alec Guinness-ness to his performance that you catch every once in a while. You know, the delivery, you think, oh, my, yeah, I, I recognize the way he says that word or, right, or this yeah. line. It sounds very much like Alec Guinness. You know, without being over the top and over the top impression right. of Alec. Well, for me, it's like pie or cake. I like both, but mm-hmm. I'm kind of an old Ben guy. There's something about yeah. old Ben I just, I just, I just love. So it's cool that you that you voiced old Ben, um, as well. We know you're you're a big fan of Star Wars, and obviously you enjoy working on the Clone Wars. But as a professional actor, what appeals to you about contributing to the vast legacy that is Star Wars? Um. Uh, everything, I guess. I mean, um, because I've been a fan most of my life of Star Wars, you know, having seen it, you know, since I was a kid, it's it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a dream come true for me. You know, it's just, you know, you're part of this legacy that uh, has been going on for so long now. I mean, it's it's really incredible. And, uh, you know, also to be, uh, you know, to follow in Peter Cushing's footsteps in this really iconic role and play Tarkin as a younger man, it... Um, it, it, it doesn't get much better than that, you know. Hmm. Now I know you can't reveal what's to come. I know, but yes, I would. I, I would. I would say. <laughs> uh, do you think we've seen the last of Tarkin once this wraps up in the Clone Well, Wars? I hope not. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, you know, obviously, I, I can't talk about it. But sure. uh, uh, whether I knew or whether I don't know, I, it's kind of a. You know, it's uh, don't want to let the cat out of the bag, but yeah, I'd certainly love to see his character uh, explored in more detail. I think he's such an interesting guy. We never really learned that much about him, you know, before he was uh, killed in the Death Star explosion. And uh, he's such a he's such a great villain. You know, he's one of those guys that you just you love to hate. It uh, it would be really nice to see his uh, his character explored, but you know, it's not up to me. Yeah, like you said, it's it's all that Filoni guy. 
He runs. <laughs> yeah. He, he runs that <laughs> whole show over there. Hand in it too. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. 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 Uh, all right. Well, um, Stephen, it's been so great to talk to you. I hope that you'll uh, you'll come back on the program uh, again, and we can uh, we can get into this a little bit more. Um, but uh, and and also. Thanks for listening to the show. I, I can't believe that you just happened to be listening to the roundtable when we were discussing that episode. What a crazy coincidence. But- <laughs> you guys have a great show, and I'm, I'm glad to be a part of it here today. And I want to thank everybody you know, who was tuning in and all the great questions. I know we didn't answer them all, but I see them all here on Facebook. It yeah. was <laughs> just a lot of great stuff. I want to right. thank everybody for sending those in. It's, that's really great. Yeah, well, we've got a we've got a, what a great crowd. We got we got the best Star Wars fans ever in this uh, listening audience. So, and I know that they were excited to have you on the program. And uh, uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully, we'll get to see you at a show. Any any you got convention season coming up this summer? Have you been to That's a Star true. Wars convention before? Well, I have. I have a, I have a, con- a convention coming up in uh, the end of April, uh, the Anaheim Comic Con for Wizard World. So I'm going to be there at the end of April. Oh, cool. And uh, so if anybody wants to stop by and say hi and, uh, and you know, chat or whatever, uh, that's where I'll be. Awesome. All right. Stephen Stanton going to be at Wizard World. And what's the best way, Stephen, for folks to keep up with you and so they know when you're going to be at things and all of that? How do they, how do they stay in touch with you? On uh, my Facebook fan page, that is where all the latest and greatest info is about what I'm doing and what I'm, where I'm going to be and all that stuff. So, yeah, if you go to Facebook and look me up there on the fan page um, – You'll find everything out you need to know. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Stephen, it's been a total pleasure. And uh, thank you so much for bringing your foul stench on board. the <laughs> for- on, And, you know, I, sure, I say that with love. Uh, Brent- yeah, yes. But- <laughs> you haven't heard that one a hundred times. Ever. <laughs> the last. <laughs> All right, Stephen, thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, guys. Talk to you later. Thanks a lot. All right. All right bye-bye. Bye-bye. General. Captain Turkin. I never thought I'd see you again. And you brought friends. Tarkin, this is Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin Skywalker. Now that you've found us, how do you expect to get us out? If they've locked this fortress down, there's at least ten squads on their way. It's going to be impossible to escape. Oh, you know what, man? I, uh, I feel kind of... And I'm not just saying this because Steven's a super nice guy and we just talked to him, but... After just hearing the audio stand on its own, I feel kind of stupid for nitpicking his performance in the first episode of the. <laughs> well, wait Citadel a minute. Hold on. I want to. I want to back you up. I want to back you up. But Jim, what would we do on the Clone Wars roundtable if we didn't pick nits? What would, yeah, but, what would we do? But just listening to that audio in my headphones right now. Yeah, I'm hearing. I am hearing Grandma Tarkin. I mean, that is Tarkin. He's really nailing it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, yeah, he's bringing something different to the table. There's no question about that. But it is a younger Tarkin. And it's a different character than we see in episode four. He's 20, 25 years younger. Mm-hmm. His political and military career is is pretty much just getting underway. And he's coming into his own. So um, with, with that appreciation now for the character and the performance, uh, I... I I really am second-guessing my initial uh, critique, for lack of a better term, of of what he's bringing to the table at the Clone Wars. Because, man, I mean, that that sounded just dead on to me. Well, he gave me goosebumps when he was doing the lines, when he was doing the Cushing lines from Episode 4. Several times it was like, wow, wow. You know, like, 
it's like uh, really, really, really good. Yeah. So, well, you know, and he does a great Yoda too. I, I, it's a shit. We need to get him that in a conversation, Yoda and Tarkin. What that would have been like, the two of them oh, chatting no. it up. But well, uh, talking about uh, Star Wars Infinities. <laughs> well, we don't know. We might see. You know, they're fighting on the same side at this point on the in the Clone Wars. But anyway, great talking with Stephen Stanton. I hope that he'll uh, he'll join us again. And uh, so kind of him to reach out to us on Facebook and. And, uh, and 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 dangle the slippers in front of us. We had to grab them. So uh, yeah. appreciate that. Uh, and for all of our faithful listeners who uh, do follow us on Facebook, uh, also follow Stephen um, because he's like he said uh, he's he's starting to hit the convention circuit now, and and he sure seems like one heck of a nice guy. Somebody that you want to meet, get his autograph, and add it to your collection because he is part of. The Star Wars legacy, as we talked about during that interview. Well, and, uh, and you're not going to get Peter Cushing's autograph anymore. I mean, you know, let's let's be honest. You're not. You know, yeah. um, <laughs> the ship has sailed on that, unfortunately. Um, mm-hmm. So how cool to have, um, you, you know, Tarkin. Tarkin lives once more. Tarkin lives. And a, yep. a, and a great Tarkin he is. A great Tarkin Fantastic. he is. Now, something Fantastic. else you might be able to get signed, Force Cast trading cards. That's right. Yes, we are coming down. To the final home stretch, and I say home stretch because yes. we are involved with the Save the Lars Homestead effort. And the way we're involved is that we have donated a very rare set of Force Cast trading cards, autographed. So by, rare. So rare. <laughs> so rare. Uh, signed by myself, Jason Swank. Steve Sansweet, Kyle Newman, and Paul Bateman. Uh, you hear us all here every week on the Forcecast, and these cards were only available at Celebration 5. There are very few of them left, even, even less than that, signed. So we have made a set available to the Save the Lars Homestead effort. We'll be announcing the winner of our signed cards giveaway on the weekly Forcecast next week, March 15th. The winner will be chosen at random from everyone who donates 20 bucks or more to www.markdermal.be. You can find the information on our Facebook page and on Mark's Facebook page. And you need to get your donation in before next week, March 15th, because we will be picking the winner from random, and that announcement will be coming next week here on the Forcecast. And speaking of Steve Sansweet, now one of the, the photo that's actually on the Steve Sansweet Forcecast trading card, uh, I just uploaded to the um, Steve Sansweet photo tribute at Flickr, mm. which is very cool. This is a new project. Of course, we all know that Steve is leaving Lucasfilm. In, he's not leaving Star Wars. He's leaving Lucasfilm in April um, as director of content management, head of fan relations. But StarWars.com has set up a, a Flickr group. That if you if you if you got an account on Flickr, you can join. It's 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 quick. It's, it was really simple to do. And then once you join, it automatically if you when you go to you know contribute, it automatically brings up all of your photos that you have on Flickr. If you have any photos of you and Steve or a photo that you captured a you know funny moment, goodness knows there have been a lot of them involving Steve at shows and out and about. Uh, you can upload them and contribute to this, and all these photos are going to be collected and then presented to Steve. So I added uh, three or four from our Forcecast archives that you can also check out uh, on our Flickr page. Mm-hmm. Um, so- lots, of, lots of listeners snapped... Um- you know, Jason, you saw the flash bulbs popping when Steve uh, joined us at Celebration Five for one of our live shows out there, and uh, some people have been asking, 
for our permission to uh, turn over any really? photos of, yeah, really, you know, can, can I have a picture of you guys and Steve Sansweet? Can I submit this to the, the Flickr collection? And listen, guys, you don't have to ask our permission. Of course, we'd be honored if you did. So if you have any photos of Steve Sansweet, with or without us, please turn them over to the Flickr group and, uh, you know, do so with pride because uh, they're going to... Put it all together as a well, nice tribute to Steve. I love the idea that there's a subset of him having to endure me and Jimmy. So <laughs> that there's so many. <laughs> there are all these horse cast photos. And Those Steve guys. Us. Endure <laughs> is a good word. He has, he's endured us for years, and um, he's endeared himself to us. So no we're, we're obviously very grateful for all he's done for Star Wars, for the fan community, and uh, for us here at the Forcecast on top of it all. So uh, please do not hesitate. Show no mercy and turn those photos that you have of uh, you and Steve or just pictures you shot of Steve at random. Turn them all into the Flickr group, and uh, he'll he'll be so proud when he sees it all. Now, uh, while there was no new edition of the Weekly Forecast last week, we didn't do any live shows. With Jimmy and I, kind of took the week off. Certainly, uh, well, Jim, you didn't take the week off. Uh, I, <laughs> I did. Take, I took no, Jimmy, down, no down no time. Yeah, no downtime for Jimmy Mac. But uh, certainly, things were happening at the Forecast Network. We, we we launched three different shows last week uh, during our our little break. A Galaxy of Music, Volume 31, Winter 2011 from Jimmy Mack, back in the Sound Labs for more Star Wars parodies, etc., etc. So, and Jedi Elvis. <laughs> Jedi Elvis, who has a killer microphone that is made out of a lightsaber hilt. And it yes. is it's it is bad to the bone. I got to get them. I got to get them. I'm on a quest. I've been bugging Jimmy. I'm like, we got to have these. We got to make fan these. Days. By right? fan days, we must have the saber mic. And so I've been in contact with Jedi Elvis, and he's given me a how to uh, make your own saber mic. So uh, hopefully, we'll be sporting those at uh, Star Wars yeah, fan days. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Jovial October. J, that'll be the roving mic that Jovial J uses for. Uh, for the crowd questions, but don't but don't don't try to take it. Um, now, speaking of Steve Sansweet earlier and Jovial J, if you haven't had a chance to listen to the latest edition, the the March 2011 edition of the Jedi Journals, you want to do that because Jay was actually out at Rancho Obi Wan helping Steve reorganize his library, and is there's a very cool interview um, with uh, with Steve Sansweet. It's, it, was, it was really interesting, Jim, to hear him just comfortable and at home. You know, it was like a, it was kind of like a little bit different side of Steve. So uh, nice little intimate, cozy interview with Steve. And uh, Jay's got some great stories from being out there. Uh, they give away some prizes. And um, I think Wyman is back. Wyman's feeling better now. Right. We got Wyman. We'll have Wyman on the next one. Yes, unfortunately, Chris was a little under the weather and he could not contribute to uh, the March edition of Jedi Journals. But he is uh, not going anywhere. He'll definitely be back in the fold next month. And uh, check out, if you haven't already, the, the roundtable for this week over the second episode of the, of the Citadel trilogy. We had James Burns and Dan Curdo uh, joining us for that. And they are the hosts, of course, of the Collector's Edition. The February 2011 edition was released. And this is where they're starting to really get into what was revealed at Toy Fair. This is the, this is the analysis now. This is, this, this is why you need guys like Dan Curdo and James Burns to break it all down for you, vendor by vendor, 
line by line what happened at Toy Fair. Sure, you can see all the photos and you can check out all the stuff that came out the day of, but this is now, this is the post-mortem. This is what does it mean for Star Wars collectors and Star Wars fans. So check that out. Forcecast Collector's Edition, February 2011. And um, Jim, I got to ask you real quick, since we're talking about Toy Fair, what w- that was announced at Toy Fair, what got you most excited? What figure, what, what toy, what... What, what, well, what, I'm glad, you, what I'm glad you asked that, Jason, because I am still to this day and have been for 30 plus years a diehard Star Wars action figure collector. And I got real excited when I learned about the exclusive Boba Fett prototype action figure. Now, you may have seen this video. Um, it was Dwayne Dunham who originally modeled the prototype Boba Fett costume in a film that was hosted by Ben Burt. It was just to be used internally at Lucasfilm to just sort of show off what this new character is going to look like in The Empire Strikes Back for all the insiders working on the film. And at this point in time, you know, the, the, the legacy, the legend of Boba Fett says that he is sort of like a super stormtrooper. So at this point in time, it's the Boba Fett we know and love, but he was completely white, like a stormtrooper. And what's always funny to me about this video is that that half cape that Boba wears, they didn't have the cape handy. So they grabbed whatever they had, and they had a Star Wars beach towel, and they used that as the half cape. It's pretty funny. <laughs> funny little I didn't slice know. I actually Star I didn't Wars. know that. <laughs> it's a funny little slice of Star Wars history, and Hasbro is commemorating that with an exclusive Boba Fett prototype action figure. I'm not talking about the Ralph McQuarrie figure that came out a few years ago or you know anything based on Ralph's paintings. It's based on the prototype costume of Boba Fett that was used in this internal film for Lucasfilm before they painted him up and made him the Boba Fett we know and love today. So that's really interesting to me that they're, they're making an action figure of that specific Boba Fett. So I'm looking forward to getting that one because I'm a huge Boba Fett fan. And uh, that's the one thing that really jumped out at me about Toy Fair and, and, and what's coming up. Who isn't, who isn't a Boba Fett? We're all big Boba Fett fans. The, the Boba Fett character is interesting to me because it's inspired almost like a spinoff in fandom. Like, I mean, there's, I don't think there's any other character, I mean, not even Vader, when you think about it, that has such diehard fans within fandom. You know what I mean? I'm trying to think of another character that's as passionately followed uh, and uh, adored as Boba Fett. I don't think there well, is I, Star Wars. I recall during the production of the prequels, it was an interview he did with MTV. George Lucas said that. Boba Fett was just one of those characters that was in the background and killed him off in Jedi without even thinking twice about it. But the fans loved him so much and said, no, it's impossible. He can't be dead. And publishing brought him back. So George specifically put Boba Fett in Attack of the Clones to satisfy the fans. You know, a lot of people talk about how George did this to the prequels and did that to the prequels. But that's one instance where he definitely acknowledged fandom and said, listen, guys, I'm giving you exactly what you want. And that is bringing Boba Fett back. And now we're in a, uh, you know, 
we're in a, a place in Star Wars history. Here we are nine years removed from the release of Attack of the Clones, and Boba Fett is everywhere. But prior to Attack of the Clones, Boba Fett really wasn't. He did return in the Dark Empire comic series and um, showed up in the Tales of Jabba's Palace novel. But other than that, there was not widespread Boba going on. But fans loved him so much that George said, listen, I hear you guys, so he's coming back. And so George brought life back to Boba Fett and then some. Because now, I mean, it's just like Boba mania. Yeah, it really is. Uh, Before we go any further, I do want to take a moment to thank our sponsor this week, uh, Audible.com. They are the Internet's leading provider of spoken audio entertainment, next to the Forcecast, of course, of spoken audio entertainment information and educational programming. Here's what you do. You download audio books and all kinds of great audio content from the Audible website to play back on your PC. You can burn it to a CD or whatever portable media player you have. It works great with iPod, iPhone, iPad. They even have apps available specifically for iOS and Android devices. And what it is is you go to this you go to the website, you can download uh, the content, you pay for it, you download it, but what's great is you can always go back to your library. So if some, if your laptop gets stolen or your hard drive crashes or you lose your iPod or whatever, fear not, you just go back, get on a computer, get on the web, go to audible.com, log into your account, and boom, download it as many times as you want. No questions asked. So very, very flexible. They've got any kind of uh, audio file format you can imagine. They work with any kind of of uh, portable media player, I mean, even GPS units. And with over 80,000 hours of audio programming from over 270 content providers, uh, you, you just can't go wrong. So listen whenever, wherever you want, just like you're listening to the Forcecast right now. And over 1,000 science and technology titles to choose from, over 1,100 sci-fi and fantasy titles, more being added all the time. As of last count, over 142 hits when you, you type in Star Wars. So there's a really? ton of Star Yeah, yeah, they're, they're up in it. Now, when you say that, because I know, Jason, you're the guy doing it. When you say it's 142 hits on Star Wars, does that also include things like the George Lucas interviews that are available? Yeah, I think Gary- it does. Yeah, I think it includes anything where Star Wars is a keyword. And I'm sure that that content would have Star Wars as a keyword if you have one of those, one of those folks. And, and, there's probably, and there's probably stuff in there about you know, the Reagan administration, too. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there probably is. So, you know, I, I'm not saying it's all George Lucas Star Wars. I'm just saying, hey, there's 142 different results when you type in Star Wars. But, but here's the deal. This is where it gets exciting for you guys. If, you, uh, if you're not familiar with Audible.com, you should be. And I'll tell you what, um, thanks to those guys who, who uh, they help make shows like this possible, uh, they're going to give you a free audiobook download of your choice. So you just sign up. You don't have to stay involved. If you do, great. I, you'll want to. It's, you know, it's like crack. You know, I, I give you the first one free, and then you keep going back. Jimmy Mack hasn't stopped. He's still, nope. I think Jimmy's still reading that god-awful Fate of the Jedi series. He's still listening to it. Um, talk about show no mercy, no downtime, whatever. Jimmy's trudging through it. But here's what you do. Go to Audible Podcast. It's a different URL here. Audiblepodcast.com slash TFN. Audible podcast.com slash tfn sign up today get your free audiobook download and i was just looking jim there's a book Mm -hmm. out here this is by kw jeter yes this is from 1997 star wars the bounty hunter book one the mandalorian armor it's all about it's all about boba and um 
Just let's listen to a little bit. This is narrated by Anthony Held. I'm not familiar with him as a narrator. Oh, yeah, he's done lots of Star okay. Wars audiobooks. Not recently. Here. Leaving him dangling precariously only a couple of meters from the Sarlacc's throat. A pumping kick enabled him to get first one, then the other of his boot soles up onto the beam. He squatted into a deep knee bend on the narrow metal surface, then jumped, fingertips clawing for the funnel's edge above him. With a gasp of effort, Dengar managed to get his chest across the shifting edge of the funnel. Oh, oh. Dengar and Boba. Yeah, well, that's actually when Dengar uh, rescues Boba from, you know, as Boba emerged from the Sarlacc pit. So if you were ever wondering, you know, wait a second, how did Boba come back? You know, it's kind of like a, a, a black hole in Star Wars history for you. There it is right there. Dengar. I, nev- I didn't know that. Yeah. I never Dengar, saw that was- coming. He was out there sort of, uh, you know, um, scavenging the, the wreckage from uh, Jabba's uh, slave barge exploding. Right. And that's when he stumbled across. I think, I think God, Boba was naked at that point. I think the Sarlacc pit that, you know, <laughs> this, the, the, it's, not, it's the, supposed to ju- digest them for over a thousand years. The first thing that goes are your clothes. <laughs> Dude, do you think he just, <laughs> just do you think? What did this look like? Do you think the helmet was the only thing that was left? Yeah, yeah. So the helmet's just there. He's just the helmet. Food. Good. I've, yeah. By the way, I've sported that look when the wife's coming home. There's a little surprise. <laughs> oh, God, I don't want to hear about your Valentine's Day. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> this is Billy D. Williams, Lando Calrissian. It's time for the quote of the week. <laughs> Now, here's a guy who's definitely pulled off the nude Mandalorian helmet look. <laughs> Billy D. Williams. Here's where the fun begins. And, uh, wow, this is, um, this is kind of a historic moment here on the Billy D. Quote of the Week. Because Billy D. made a surprise appearance on the Oprah show. Now, this is, you know, you knew this was coming. Mm. Recently, Oprah dedicated an entire show to the career of the great Diana Ross. And it was featuring the Motown superstar in a live interview and performance. And Oprah, she, she likes to do this from time to time. It's, it's what I call her, this is your life moment. When Oprah surprised the infamous diva with a reunion with her co-star from the classic 70s films, Mahogany and Lady Sings the Blues. Yep, you guessed it, our hero, Billy Dee Williams. So, for your listening pleasure... Let's go to Chicago on the set of the Oprah Winfrey show and relive that magic moment. Where have you been? Surprise, surprise. I take full responsibility because, because my staff said to me, Miss Ross says she does not want any surprises, no surprises, no surprises. I said, I know exactly how she feels. <laughs> and so we will not have any surprises except Billy D. Crowd goes wild. Oh. What do you remember about first? First of all, being on the set with with Diana Ross. Well, her mouth. Her mouth. <laughs> uh, let's see. How can I explain it? Um, Children it, are in the building. It was, it was like putting the perfect puzzle together. That's nice. That's nice. That's nice. That was really, we worked really, really well together. Yes. Yes. Was he as suave off screen as he was on screen? Yes. 
Yeah. Like just walking and, around. Every time he would go to kiss me, Barry Gordy would drag me away. <laughs> Barry would drag him away saying, uh, okay, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Did either of you realize at the time what a big deal those movies would become and how, you know, th that you were making a classic? It was like, uh, I always had this feeling we were like two little kids who kind of, we were, we were going to go into a playground and just run around and have a lot of fun with each other. We just had, <laughs> it was wonderful. Relax. That's wonderful. <laughs> there you go. What a nice moment. What a nice and you know what, Jim? I'm glad we got through that moment without Barack Obama interrupting the proceedings, well, like he did when Carrie Fisher was on. Oprah. Yeah, right. When Channel Seven, when uh, ABC News broke in with Barack Obama's historic 12th press conference of his <laughs> administration. Yeah, but uh, but that was a magic moment, you know. And Oprah, this is her big farewell season, so she she likes to feature some big moments and and you know get, getting carrie fisher to sing a duet with debbie reynolds was one of them and 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 featuring the reunion of billy d williams and diana ross was another big moment but the biggest moment of all is gosh darn it we got our billy d quote of the week from that historic reunion billy d says something that it's something that i actually feel every week when myself and jason sit down in the force cast studio i always had this feeling we were like two little kids who kind of going to go into a playground and just run around and have a lot of fun with each other. <laughs> <laughs> you can sum up the whole, yeah, you can sum up the whole force cast just like that. Um, so I got a question because I didn't get to see this, Jim. Um, yeah. I, I'm, was, there, was there more? How much Billy D was there? Is it worth people going out and trying to track down this episode or was it a pretty, like one little very quick segment? Of the show. Well, here, you know what? The Force Cast is pretty much the only place you'll be able to relive that moment because I know uh, all the clips have been pulled from YouTube. Oh. Uh, Oprah, Oprah rules with an iron fist, and yeah. gosh she, darn it, nobody's going to be allowed to, right. to see this unless the, it's under her wing. Thank God but, we're not on her radar. <laughs> yeah, the, way, uh, yeah right. the Force Cast. Um, but, uh, but you know what? We, we, that was the meat. That was essentially everything. Yeah, you know? really. We heard everything Billy D had to say. What was really just great about it was when he walked out with that trademark smile. And Diana Ross really was very, you could tell she, she was very excited to see him and they embraced. And, you know, just like they said, that, like Diana Ross said, Barry Gordy would have to pull Billy D off of Diana Ross when they were <laughs> shooting Lady Sings the Blues. I had the feeling that Oprah had to pull Billy D off. Of there. So time has changed nothing. Time has changed nothing. But that's cool. You know, that's just a, a great moment here. You know, they're, they're both, you know, in the, in the golden years of their career and, and it was just wonderful to see that reunion. Diana Ross looks amazing. Her voice is still incredible and Billy D, I mean, for a man his age, he looks incredible. So uh, God bless them both here. Uh, the Force cast fully supports the, uh, the, the love that we all, I, I, know, I know you and our audience, you were feeling it, weren't you? Weren't you feeling it? Were you feeling it? I was feeling it. Yes, yes. I was and, feeling it. Um, and, okay, now, you know, here's something else we got here before we wrap up the quote of the week. As you recall, Jason, a few weeks ago, I was we were talking about people who impersonate Billy D and, and Lando. And, and, you know, sometimes it's hit or miss, you know. Yeah. Um, but I gave props to uh, the guy who does uh, Star Wars audiobooks, one of the several talented guys who, who reads those audiobooks uh, for Audible.com. His name's Mark Thompson. And I really give him props for doing a pretty, pretty darn good Lando impression. And I said that I would 
review some of that material and bring you a good example of Mark doing the voice of Lando. Well, our buddy on Facebook, Jokey McFunny Son, <laughs> let me say that name one more time. Our friend on Facebook, Jokey McFunny Son, <laughs> sent me a message and saved me the work. He says, attention, Jimmy Mack. For the best Mark Thompson Lando impression, listen to Legacy of the Force Exile. At the moment he reveals the name of his freighter, it's pure Lando. So let me set up the scene here for you. It's Lando showing off his newest ship to Han and Leia. Now, now let me explain what this ship is all about. This is, this is pure Lando when you hear the description here. The lounge in the ship has velvet material covering the walls, shag carpeting, <laughs> Vibrating. No, 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 no. Are you cannot be serious? I am as serious as a heart attack. You're vibrating heated couches. Let me repeat that: vibrating heated couches and automatic privacy curtains. I mean, I can't make this stuff up. So he's showing off this ship to Han and Leia. And Leia is just appalled. You know, she's like, she can't believe it. She's not the only one, but for different reasons. <laughs> so, uh, so let's play this little clip, and you'll hear Mark Thompson doing his Lando. And, and while I'm not saying it's a carbon copy of Billy D. Williams' great performance as Lando Calrissian, what Mark does is he captures the essence of the character Billy D. created. Check this out. Leia, beside Han, nodded. It's even more crass than the Lady Luck. Lando, facing them from across the room to view their first reactions to the pleasure pit, smirked. She's a bit like the Lady. An older model, a Sora Sub-2400 yacht. What's her name? Leia asked. Lando modulated his voice to its richest, most seductive tones. The Love Commander. (laughs) The Love Commander. I, you I know, I, I don't know. I don't want to take anything away from him. But I think that Billy D would have played that scene differently. Billy D doesn't necessarily do. If you notice when Billy D gets smooth, he doesn't do like a very white, real dark, deep voice. He, he has that Billy D whisper. You know which one I'm talking about? It would have been I, more like the love commander. You know, you yes. know what? Yeah, okay, okay. That but kind of know, half whisper, half salt. You know, that's what that that would have been Billy D to me, not the love commander. You know, or whatever. But, <laughs> but do keep in mind here. <laughs> well, now listen. You got to admit, you, you heard. You, you're hearing Lando though with Mark Mark Thompson's. Yeah, I'm hearing. You're hearing Lando. Yeah, I'm also hearing his ship described like the Brady Bunch's basement. <laughs> All right, listen. Now, you're, you talk about the Barry White thing. Mark is taking direction from what he's reading on the, 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 the page, you know, and, and the page sets it up by saying he modulated his voice to its That's deepest. true. That's true. He can't, he can't then whisper it the way Billy D would. You know, he, he has to take the direction from the, the, the way the printed page plays out. But so. do you follow me in the Billy D whisper thing? I you know do. what I'm yes, talking I about, do, right? I do, but... But that doesn't take away my respect for Mark Thompson's fantastic performance as Lando. <laughs> and by the way, when we finally do get the Forcecast Mobile Studio, 
It will also have velvet material covering the wall, shag carpeting, vibrating couches, and automatic privacy curtains. And that's just for Curdo. This is the Weekly Forecast. Uh, J.D. wanted me to introduce you to my godfather. And you is a great girl. <laughs> yeah, don't go, Come here. Come here. <laughs> yes. You can call me Billy D. Yes, Lando. Yes. The Galaxy is listening. All right, Star Wars in pop culture, where the Force cast takes a look at Star Wars references outside of the Star Wars universe. And Jim, we got a whole slew of them this week. You've been oh, awfully busy. <laughs> Listen, I can't even tell you how many great Force cast listeners have been sending us pop culture references. As we've said before, it's obvious Hollywood is taking the cue from the Force cast. They want to be featured on the Star Wars <laughs> and pop culture segment. So every conceivable entertainment property is featuring Star Wars references lately. It's an epidemic. It's gone out of control. And we love it. We say bring it on because we have a segment called Star Wars and pop culture. And we wouldn't if this wasn't happening. So everyone who's been sending in stuff also... They've been sending me links to where I could find this stuff online. And some of our even more ambitious listeners have actually been sending me the audio itself. And I am so grateful for that because it just... It facilitates my production of the show in such a way that gives me time then to concentrate on things like booking quality guests like Stephen Stanton. So let's start off with an email we got from Eric Horning, who's a great listener, who says, Hey, Forcecast, did you catch Monday's Jeopardy! Team Tournament episode? There's a Star Wars clue. Now, I know we've been hearing a lot about Star Wars questions being asked over the long history of Jeopardy!, but this is the first time it's actually being featured in Star Wars and pop culture. So let's check out Jeopardy's team tournament for a Star Wars clue. TV cartoon by characters for 800, please. Count Dooku, Mace Windu, Chancellor Palpatine. Andrew, what is Star Wars? More specific? Clone Wars. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) I love Alex Trebek saying the names of those characters. That was pretty good. And you know, he said them all right. He didn't say Palpatine. Yeah. Yeah. I I bet Alex is a a big fan. I I bet bet he is a fan. Who? Been, yeah. Who isn't a fan of Star Wars? Uh, I mean, for crying out loud. Well, uh, no, we've got a story coming up a little bit later we'll talk about. I guess. I guess there's always someone out there who <clears throat> has no taste. Okay, so <laughs> going from the teen tournament question on Jeopardy, we're going we're gonna to start even skewing even younger. We're going like, to start go, aiming towards our more of a like, preteen audience. Preteens love Nickelodeon. And they love shows like Sweet Life on Deck. Oh, wait a minute, is- wait a minute, wait a minute. I got to correct you. I'm sorry. I got to correct what? you. Uh, what? You, you, you obviously don't have a young girl. Well, okay. I don't. It's not Nickelodeon. Oh, no. What, what is it? Fox Family? Yeah, uh, Disney Channel. It's Disney Sweet Life, Channel. Sweet Life is all Disney. Disney. Yeah, Sweet Life is all Disney. So, and I know, I don't know. You know, I have a two and a half year old. She's not into Sweet Life on Deck yet. Yeah. Yet, but yeah. she's into the whole Disney Princess thing, and so. I'm well, hey, listen, Disney I Channel. have boys, and and they also watch things like the Disney Channel and Nickelodeon, et cetera. Mm. And my boys do catch things like Sweet Life on Deck. That's why we're featuring the Star Wars reference and Star Wars on pop culture this week, is because this comes from Michael Mack himself. Whoa, who who, who captured this great moment on. 
great moment, I say with quotes, on our DDR. <laughs> this is the Sweet Life on Deck. It's a spinoff of Sweet Life of Zach and Cody or Jack and Cody or I don't even know. But Is that about Kathy Lee Gifford's kids? Oh, yeah. She does have a kid named Cody, doesn't oh, she? Oh, I, I was just curious. I didn't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. It's a show about these rich kids who live on a... On like a cruise vessel or oh. something. In oh, something Zach like and Cody, not Frank and Cody. Okay, I thought it was the sweet life of <laughs> Frank and Cody. <laughs> right, so Michael captured this Star Wars reference. The episode is called Twister Part 2. It's part of the infamous Twister story arc from Sweet Life on Deck. And, and look, for the, look for the round table of this. <laughs> Drop it on the Force Cast Network. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, uh, this particular episode, you know, from the title Twister, it's a Wizard of Oz parody. And so you're like, well, what does that have to do with Star Wars? Well, there's a scene that features the cowardly lion. You know, the, the gang's all there. You got your Scarecrow, your Dorothy, your Tin Man, and the cowardly lion. They're all there on the, the, uh, the, the, the yellow brick road. And sure enough, Sweet Life on Deck, they, they present us with a Star Wars reference. Boys! Don't fight over me. <laughs> See? You're scaring that cowardly lion. Oh, actually, I'm Chewbacca. <laughs> uh, no, I think you're supposed to be the cowardly lion. No, Chewbacca. I like that movie better. Hey, C-3PO. <laughs> See who? Hey, I think See. we need a laugh track like that here for the forecast. Can we can we can we hook that up? Sometimes that would come in very very handy. Believe me, believe me, believe me, because there are times on the forecast when all we hear is. Oh, hold on, hold on. I have to. You got D I'm, Baker's cricket. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. But sometimes we hear. There we go. That's right. Okay, so moving forward. <laughs> moving forward, we have now Aaron Goins. Aaron Goins is a, a, a very faithful listener. We met him out at C5. Great guy. He's always trying to contribute to the Force cast, and, and he sent us this pop culture reference. He says there was a Star Wars reference on a recent episode of Parks and Recreation on NBC. Uh, in this clip... He sets it up for us. The character Tom is talking about his networking skills to another character named Ben, and a certain Jedi Master is mentioned. Check it out. Watch the Master working. I'm the Yoda of networking. Well, Yoda wouldn't actually need networking. I mean, his powers were more spiritual. Shut up, you nerd. I get it. Okay. <laughs> oh, see, nerd. Nerd. Yeah. See, you know, and this is on primetime network television, and then, you know, you have to go into work the next day, and they'll be like, oh, I saw Parks and Recreation. They were talking about Yoda. They, they, they call them a nerd. That means you're a nerd, too. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. And then, you know, when I say things like that, I hear this. <laughs> All right. No, you're right. Oh. No, you're right, because... Because I get it too, you know, people going like, oh, you know, did you see whatever? And they were talking about Star Wars. And of course, since they were talking about Star Wars, you must have seen this. Though, if you're a listener of the Force cast, we bring that to you. So <laughs> I guess it's true, right? I oh, guess it's true. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, stereotypes call, are true for a reason. Call a spade right. a spade. Okay. And it, well, it's got just uh, over the weekend, somebody, uh, they, they threw the old... Um, Oh, you like Star Trek. Oh, that one. Well, they don't even get the name right. Star yeah, yeah. Trek. 
just, just really, you know, it's just salt in the wound. Yeah. So, uh, you know what? The only thing that can make me feel better right now is a little James Earl Jones doing Justin Bieber. Oh. This is the follow up <laughs> our last Star Wars and pop. I've culture. had a nickel every time I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jason. We have a Twitter request. All right, from from Slushy Man, who says someone should edit in the Revenge of the Sith Vader. No, into when Earl sings the baby, baby, no part of the song. Now, as you guys remember, last time on the Star Wars and Pop Culture, we featured James Earl Jones reciting Justin Bieber lyrics to baby, baby on the Gail King show. And there is a line in there. This is baby, 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 no. Okay. So, you know, I had thought about doing this and, and I wasn't really sure if it would work. So I abandoned the idea, but then slushy man comes up with a request and I cannot ignore the force cast audience. Much like George put Boba Fett into episode two, <laughs> to appease the fans. I am putting the revenge of the Sith Vader. No into James Earl Jones reciting Justin Bieber lyrics. Let's see if it works. And I was like, baby, 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 oh, like baby, baby, baby. No! <laughs> it does! Holy it crap, it works! It's great. Slushy, man, thank you. <laughs> you should see me here. I'm like, a, I'm like a football ref with my hands up in the air. Touchdown! <laughs> Absolutely, it works. Wow, and that's I- good. And to follow up on uh, some other things that happened uh, last time on Star Wars and pop culture, we got an email from Richard. And Jason, I want you to read this. Yeah, this is from Richard in Long Beach, California. He writes, uh, as a very faithful listener to the Forcecast, I can proudly say that I am also a Gleek. I'm very proud of you, talking to me, for not backing away because of the teasing from that big bully, Jimmy Mack. I can't mm. wait until they have another Star Wars reference, and I hope no one tells Jim where to look, so I'll have to watch the entire episode. He'll be humming Don't Stop Believing" all week. Your friend, Richard, Richard Woloski in Long Beach, California. Thank you, Richard. Say it loud. Say it proud. I like Lee. I like Lee. And so does Richard. Here's All hoping. Right. Here's hoping. There's got you know. There's got to. We have a huge audience. There's got to be somebody in this audience that that knows somebody. There are that works on the show Glee. We got to get another Star Wars reference on this, guys. And nobody send Jimmy Mack any info on it other than just here's the episode. Mm-hmm. You got oh, okay, watch and it. I'm the big bully. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or better yet, I guess I should just I could just say, hey Jim, there's a Star Wars reference in uh, that uh, season two, episode three of Glee. It's it's in there somewhere. Check it out. There doesn't actually have to be one in there. Right? So, I mean, oh, oh God. <laughs> Don't you dare send me down that path. <laughs> See, I wouldn't That's do a, that. I don't have to. Side. <laughs> Once you venture down that path, there is no return. Yeah. Much like the Darth side. <laughs> and we have, let's get off this topic right now. We have one more follow up to Star Wars and pop culture. Remember um, when we played that clip from The Simpsons when Homer referenced Wedge Antilles? Right, right. He was a wingman. Yeah. And, um, and Gunner who is uh, an expert on all things Antilles, wrote to us and said that he thinks that that was the first time Wedge, the, the name Wedge Antilles was actually said on any TV show or film. And so we're like, wow, that's pretty interesting. So right. we weren't 100%, we could not confirm that. 
You know, yeah. I mean, Gunner knows his wedge. There's no question about that. But we had to throw it out there. Does anyone know if there's another Wedge Antilles reference in any TV show or movie? Because there's no way Gunner has seen everything everywhere. So Ryan Adams, Ryan Adams, Ryan Adams, who's actually featured in uh, <laughs> Galaxy of Music number 31, <laughs> iTunes or at uh, forcecast.net, actually has nothing to do with Star Wars and pop culture. But our listener, Ryan Williams, writes to us to say Wedge's last name was, in fact, mentioned once on a TV show in the failed adult swim pilot, Welcome to Eltingville. You ever hear that one, Jason? I haven't, no. Uh-uh. Well, that, it was a failed adult swim pilot, failed being the key word there. So we've never heard of it, but Ryan knows all about it. And he says, in this episode, nerdy friends, there's that word again, nerdy, nerdy friends compete in a trivia off to win the right to buy a mint on card 12-inch Kenner Boba Fett doll. Okay, well, it was actually mint in box, if we're talking the 12-inch. Well, uh, clearly. Not on card. Clearly. Again, unless I'm it's not, the those new ones. There's those oh yeah, new ones. New twelve. Yeah. yeah. Okay. They're actually on a card. So, so Ryan supplies us with the audio. Here is what we think now could be the first time the name, the actual name Wedge Antilles, was said on a television show. It's Welcome to Eltingville, the failed Adult Swim pilot, and their Wedge Antilles reference. Okay, what's Wedge's last name in Star Wars? Get serious, Bill. What was I, cloned yesterday? You think I just landed on this planet? No, because the impact would have killed us all. I'm just warming up, okay? Now answer the damn question. (laughs) Antilles. There we go. There it is. Now, do we have a year on this, Jim, on this show? Um... You know, he. I don't know if he actually gave us the year, and I didn't. I didn't research it, so I am going to go ahead. Jimmy's going to check it out because once we know the year, then we can put the call out. That if you can find an earlier reference to Wedge Antilles, I mean, we know that the you know the name Wedge has been mentioned, but but in the full name Wedge Antilles uh, does not appear in any, of course, any of the Star Wars films, much less uh, anything else that we've come across other than these two particular clips. According to uh, Wikipedia, the Failed pilot for Welcome to Eltingville debuted on uh, Adult Swim October 31st, Halloween night, October 31st, 2008. Oh, and, and it lasted um, for one episode. Lasted for one episode. Huh. And um, there's other Star Wars references going on in that very episode. As a matter of fact, what's the name of the, the title of the episode was... Bring Me the Head of Boba Fett? Is that right? Am I reading that correctly? <laughs> You know, failed pilot, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, yeah, bring me the head of Boba Fett was, was the, the name, name of the, of the pilot. Wow. Uh, and uh, there we hear why. And, uh, well, if you've got a Star Wars reference or, more specifically, a Wedge Antilles reference, you can send it to us, forcecast at forcecast.net, subject line, pop culture. I have good news for you, my lord. That's... Good news. Come closer, I have good news. You know, there's big news for Star Wars, and there's big news. And I, I, look, as much as I love being able to sit at home and watch the Clone Wars every week, as much as as excited as I am to get the Blu-ray and watch it in pristine, full, blazing 1080p, high-definition, full surround sound... There is nothing 
in my opinion, first as a Star Wars fan, nothing that comes close to the anticipation of going back into the theater to watch Star Wars. Nothing yeah. comes close. Right. And the 3D has been looming out there. We've known about it for a while. We've been speculating it even longer. But now we've got a date. And it's not official till you get a date. And by golly, we've got a date. February 10th, 2012. Mark your calendars now. 20th Century Fox announced earlier this week, it is official, the 3D theatrical launch of Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, February 10th, 2012. So, wow, less uh, than a year away. It's, it's real. And I told Jimmy, I said, Chicago, that's the place. That's the place we want to be. Unless we're out, you know, out west. I don't know where we'd be out there. Yeah. You know. But uh, I'm definitely going to be checking that out with you, buddy. We're yeah. going to be together and, on uh, that one. Uh, you know, when I, I told my kids, uh, they're both just thrilled at the idea of being able to see Phantom Menace on a uh, silver screen because uh, neither of them were around for that original release date. And uh, a lot of kids who are huge Star Wars fans this day, this will be their first time to actually see Phantom Menace on the big screen. And when I say big screen, this is going to be a fresh experience for us all because not only is it going to be in 3D, but we'll also get the IMAX experience and most markets, you know, you'll be able to see 3D IMAX. You know, I mean, this is not part of the press release, but I'm just saying, you know, I mean, yeah. that's how they do it nowadays. You know, you, yeah. you, you pay a couple extra bucks and the screen is like 10 times the size of a normal screen and it's in your face and incredible. And there are so many incredible scenes that when we when we get this conversion to 3D, it's just going to be an amazing, fresh experience because the, the pod race alone is going to be incredible. And I anticipate we'll be seeing... The pod race, with the inclusion of the infamous missing second lap that appeared on the DVD, mm. never be shown on the silver. Oh yeah, screen. they got to have the exp- yeah the ex- the expanded version of the of the pod race. Absolutely, it's possible there might be some other uh, uh, cutting room floor scenes uh, returned. Digital Yoda, uh, digital Yoda, probably. Digital Yoda, definitely. I I I I say that ninety five percent sure that we are going to see the removal of that. Green catcher's mitt with eyes <laughs> placed by the digital Yoda that we've seen in such venues as Star Wars in concert and yeah. uh, other documentaries and whatnot. So this is going to be a great experience. And I'm a fan of episode one, and I always have been. As a matter of fact, I just rewatched episode one two nights ago, and it takes me back to what it was like sitting there in the theater saying, oh, my God. Star Wars really is back after 16 years. It's back up there on the screen, and we're seeing new Star Wars. And it's in your face, and it's incredible with the, the new special effects. And I can also say that the version I watched does not look dated to me. It stands up by today's standards. And so I just imagine with the tweaking that's going to be going on by the geniuses at ILM, guys like John Knoll, who, who know what they're doing, who have, have done so, so much groundbreaking stuff for the industry that what we're going to be seeing in February is going to just blow your socks off, man. It's going to blow I think, your I think socks. out of just visually, I think out of the three, uh, episode one is still probably the most beautiful looking of all the films quite honestly i mean because of all the, the all the stuff on naboo um and and you know episode two is great too because there's more there's some naboo stuff but you know geonosis is all kind of 
plane. I don't know. There's just something about maybe it's nostalgia. I don't know what it is, but there's always something that's just so visually interesting about episode one to me. Uh, Imagine the those underwater three. sequences. Yeah, the underwater stuff too. Exactly. Yeah. You know those giant creatures. You know, there's always a bigger fish, and the the you know, and the little fish even. You know, you're gonna be seeing this stuff popping out of the screen. You are gonna be underwater with these guys, and it's just gonna it's it's gonna blow you away. To me, there are, are moments in the Phantom Menace that have always appeared to pop off the screen in a 3D sort of fashion, even though it was only in 2D. You know, um, even from the very get-go, when the Republic cruiser is flying toward that Trade Federation ship at the beginning when, when Obi-Wan and, and um, Qui-Gon are on that ship and they're, they're coming in and they're soaring in and it sort of pans across. It's just this like, you feel like no gravity for a second almost. It just, yeah. it, it transcends the screen and, and puts you in that environment. Now imagine in 3D, it's just going to be popping. I'm like, needless to say, I am just like chomping at the prince. I cannot wait to share this experience with my sons and to hear what what you guys, our Forcecast listeners, think about the experience and getting all the voicemails we're going to be getting of people, you know, spilling out of the theater on night, February 10th. It's going to be incredible. It is going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. Now, now we're excited about it, of course, but, but. How is the mainstream media, or the blogosphere for that matter, how are they covering the news? Well, I thought I would do this. Just I I, I took some time over the last couple of days to just sort of assemble different reactions from different websites, and I thought I would just share them with you. And, you know, it just is so typical and predictable that as soon as you start talking Star Wars, even quote-unquote fans, I'm not going to go so far as to say that these people are not fans, though I do think they need to reassess their membership to the club if they haven't liked anything since 83, or in some cases 1981, when it comes to Star Wars. But they still call themselves fans, and they you know, they write uh, online, and they say, well, I'm a Star Wars fan. And then you go, but let's, let's get into some of this. This is, this is from uh, IndieWire. And this guy says, I don't have the the writer's name. He says, for many fans, the Star Wars prequels from The Phantom Menace to The Clone Wars 2008 are a cruel farce, a woodenly acted, highly profitable mockery of the beloved three original films. Um, By the way, this guy needs to go check. Uh, A lot of people said that the original films when they come out were woodenly acted, profitable mockeries of just cinema, period. You know, George Lucas has that great T-shirt that he, if you go back and you look at the uh, making of episode one, he's got, it's a black T-shirt and he's got the critics reaction to Star Wars. And I think, I remember the last line says, in other words, a bad movie. And then it's got the critics name and what he said about Star Wars in the air. It's great, great shirt. Um, But, uh, you know, so it's, there's nothing new about critical um, uh, dislike and dismissing of, of Star Wars. But, but this guy keeps going. He said, um, but Star Wars creator George Lucas has no intention of sweeping the prequels under the rug. Last week, details to release the Star Wars films in 3D emerged. A 3D version of The Phantom Menace will hit theaters first on February 10th, followed by the next five films, blah, 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 or, yeah, the next five films. He says, will 3D really give the derided prequels new punch, or should Lucas just let them disappear to a galaxy safe distance away? That's from IndieWire. Yeah, yeah, and you know what, Jason? I'm looking at the actual web page. 
it's the name of this column is Opinion Brief, but yet nowhere to be found is this guy's name. So, you know, he's really standing by his opinion, his anonymous opinion that, you know, obviously we disagree with wholeheartedly, but uh, come on, guy, you know, let's, let's put your name on here. We want to give you credit. Now, here's but- another one. This is, this is Kevin uh, Jagernoff. He writes, oh, this is just another effort to milk money out of the gullible and should know better, but they don't Star Wars fans. I wish that instead of flocking to the multiplex for this, people would know better and stick a middle finger up at Lucas. But that's not going to happen. This, what, what, what is this? What you, I mean, what, 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 what is this guy contributing to this? I mean, I, I can't imagine if this guy is not, a, if, if he doesn't care, and he's not a fan, why is he writing about it? Uh-huh. Like, uh, and why, why is he speaking for uh, like, like Jimmy, of- Jimmy, yeah. all right. Is Jimmy Matt going to go and post comments on the Glee Blu-ray release? Exactly. I mean, wh- what exactly. would you do that? You're not a fan. It doesn't it doesn't involve you. Why would you go online and be like, oh, this Glee Blu-ray release is the biggest waste of time. Anybody who'd waste their money on this is crazy. It's ridiculous. It, but but well, it, it gets covered as if. You know, this is news, you know, and I'm and I'm not quote. I'm quoting a story that's quoting this guy. That's what makes this ridiculous story. I'm quoting is from the week. Can 3D save Star Wars? The Phantom Menace. Now. It's not all bad. It's not all bad. Now, this is Scott Mendelson at HollywoodNews.com. Rejoice or protest nerds, or as I like to see my nerds. The Star Wars series is indeed returning to theaters post-converted to 3D starting on February 10th with The Phantom Menace. After that's one movie a year. Just in time. I didn't think about this, Jim. He points out it'll finish off in 2017 with Return of the Jedi just in time for the 40th anniversary of the release of Star Wars. I didn't, I didn't do the math there. Here's what he says. And this is my message to this other guy. If you don't like it, don't buy a ticket. He says, I'm looking forward to this, if only to watch George Lucas show everyone how a real 3D conversion is done. Back in 2002, he was the only one, with the arguable exception of Robert Rodriguez, who could shoot on HD video without it looking like a home movie. 3D is at that point now. Even the good 3D work still looks dark, muddy, and cheap, fitting the non-film it was shot on. Point being, we're at that growth spurt stage with 3D where everyone wants to do it, and some of them are even skilled at it, but you still can see the strings. I'm personally dying to see what someone like George Lucas can do with a 3D conversion. And and this is another little aside. He says, I tell this story a lot, but it bears repeating. Several months ago, I was with my three-year-old daughter at a playground, and there were some young, seven- to ten-year-old kids playing Star Wars-themed games. A good time was obviously being had. Point being, I didn't hear any of them complaining about midichlorians or about how Jar Jar sucked or whether or not Han shot first. And I certainly heard no conversations alleging that George Lucas had raped even one of their respective childhoods. (laughs) The prequels have their issues, but so do the original films when viewed from an objective distance. But kids are still growing up today loving Star Wars just as much as we did back in our day. And that's got to count for something. So, Scott Mendelson here, here from HollywoodNews.com. All right, here's AVRev.com. The good news, the beloved Star Wars series is coming back to theaters and in 3D, no less. The fan-favorite franchise getting converted and brought back to the big screen starting in 2012. The bad news, Lucas will be starting with The Phantom Menace 
and basing the releases of the net films off of the profits of the first. That means if you want to see Empire, you need to buy a ticket for Phantom Menace. More bad news. We won't be getting the original editions. Greedo will shoot first. CGI characters will be walking around Mos Eisley, and there will still be an absolutely reprehensible music number in the middle of Return of the Jedi. Oh, I don't know about that. I'm, I am looking forward to seeing that Joe Yowza jump in front of the screen with that mouth. Yeah, that mouth's going to swallow me up, man. I can't wait. <laughs> All right. That and, was... and I, I just want to know where his base is. Dick Ward. Isn't yeah. that the name? Of, uh, yeah, Dick yeah. Ward, this guy. Uh, Star um, Wars, yeah, AV Rev Dick Ward. Where name. does he get his information that the releases of the net films off the profits of the first. I mean, where does he get that? If you want to see empire, you need to buy a ticket for Phantom Menace. He's, he's, he's basing that in fact. And I would like to know where he got that information because I've yet to see any sort of announcement come out of Lucasfilm saying anything close to that. I don't think I, yeah, I, I don't know if there has been an official announcement. Somehow I was under the impression that that was the way it was going to go down was that, you know, that, depending on how the subsequent films do or how the pre, you know, previous films do, the subsequent ones will be released or not. Um, I thought that was part of the original announcement. I don't think so. So that was nothing. I that was I nothing I official. Think that, I think that's all uh, hearsay, speculation, and, uh, and uh, cynicism coming into play there. And well, uh, I'd be willing to bet the farm that each and every film will be getting a theatrical release, whether or not Dick Ward buys a ticket for Phantom Menace <laughs> or not. I mean, well, the question is, you know, a lot of folks have asked, why do Star Wars fans keep coming back to the well? Why do we keep doing it? And there's a great story uh, written by Jason Oberholzer at, um, at the blogs over at Forbes.com. And this, this title is Reimagining Star Wars. And I thought that our Forcecast listeners would, would love to hear this. This is, this is good stuff. He says, it's no secret that the Internet loves Star Wars. For almost 35 years, re-imaging the iconic franchise has been a hobby and in some cases a living for the best and brightest in the nerd community. The Internet has given these creative reimaginers access to an audience beyond their peers and has proven that most of us are still, though we don't always like to admit it, really into Star Wars. And uh, Jim, I think we're part of that. We're 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 part of those internet reimagineers, uh, yeah. whatever you want to say. I'm, I'm, I'm part of no nerd community, though. <laughs> it's the exception to that. Uh, he says, with almost three and a half decades of nerdy attention, he he does throw the the the, the n word around, the other n word, I guess we'll say, uh, around quite a bit. Uh, he says. With almost three and a half decades of nerdy attention, and it is hardly worth arguing that no population can devote their attention as ravenously as the nerds, one could easily assume that there were not many ways to look at Star Wars with a fresh perspective. Such a skeptic would be discounting the other great gift of the nerds, ingenuity. Thanks to the passion and creativity of its fan base, Star Wars occupies a unique position of cultural interest, driven as much by the merits of the original series as the richness given its universe by almost four decades of rewrites. He says, few cultural events have the widespread impact and the staying power to remain common knowledge this long after their inception, but that is not what makes Star Wars unique. Now, that's interesting, Jim. We do a whole segment on Star Wars and pop culture. We're now 35 years post 
the release of New Hope, and he's saying, look, what's interesting about these is that there's no setup to these punchlines. We know the setup. It's in the cultural fabric. We know the setup. All we need is the punchline. So essentially, what he's saying here, even though he sets it all up with nerd this and nerd community that (laughs) and other kind of horse blank labels he wants to apply to Star Wars fans, he then comes around to say that it's widespread impact and staying power to remain common knowledge long after its inception is is not what makes Star Wars unique. So what is it? Is it popular among a nerd community that huddles up in the in dark basements and has never kissed a girl before? Or is it widespread common knowledge? Well, I mean, he says, mind, well, he says what makes Star Wars unique is less about its ubiquitousness or the amount of mileage fans can get out of the series and more about the consistently enthusiastic response the franchise elicits. Most cultural touchstones remain in the consciousness referentially. The Star Wars universe still remains there actively. Okay, we're not talking about, you know, uh, well... Star Trek, for example, of how it languished for a long time. It was uh, definitely reverential to fans and referential, R-E-F-E-R, but it was not active. And he says fans don't want to reference Star Wars. They want to find new angles to explore it, to make fun of it, question it, hypothesize about it. They want to create something that can be a part of it. And, you know, this show is certainly a testament to that. The Clone Wars roundtable, all of the emails that we get, the Facebook posts, it is as though the editorials at forcecast.net, it is as though they're doing more. We're doing more as fans of just ta- than just talking about it, that we are a part of the creative process. And he's saying that's what's so unique about Star Wars. That's what makes it different from any of the other you know cultural uh, uh, phenomenons. He says, of course, this is the Insert um, obligatory Lucas slam here. Star Wars is so widely enjoyed that not even George Lucas himself can destroy its goodwill. Even when Lucas, with a healthy assist from Hayden Christensen, tried to ruin the film's iconic characters, fans were undeterred. This year's Super Bowl ad featured a child dressed as Darth Vader. The icon lives. This shows that when we conceptualize Star Wars... It is not only larger than its creator, it is removed from him in such a way that the fan base feels that it can decide in whose hands the narrative best resides. Star Wars has become a meritocracy. This year, it's about a Volkswagen commercial more than the most recent George Lucas films. Why? Because the commercial was good and the films were horrible. The commercial made us remember the wonder of science fiction. The films made us wonder what had become of science fiction. It is in the hands of the reimaginers that the fate of Star Wars rests, and luckily for us fans, and if you've read it this far, you are one, admit it, they keep finding new ways to engage the franchise. So I think he has some really good points. I mean, he's, he's kind of playing to both sides here, you know, yeah. the, the guy that's yeah. too cool for the room. Right. You know? He certainly is contradicting himself left and right in this thing, but I think his overall message is sound, you know, that... You know, when when he talks about the impact it's made and, and how it's it's become something that belongs to Star Wars fans, actually, maybe even more so than it does to the creators. I think that's a fair assumption. 
But, uh, you know, I, I just get so tired of this nerd this, nerd that, you know. And then, and then to go on and, and talk about how it has widespread impact, common knowledge, you know. I, then don't pigeonhole things, you know. Just, just st- stay focused. Stay on target. Well, what I, what, I, what I like about what he's saying is I like that he gets that there's no passivity with Star Wars fans. Star Wars fans are active. You don't passively – you're not a passively a Star Wars fan. You're actively a Star Wars fan. That's what I like about it. And that's what yeah. I like about the Star Wars fan community is people are doing stuff. They're not yeah. just consuming. And I hate this – this notion that all we are is a bunch of lapdogs for George Lucas and we just suck up everything that he, that he that he sends our way. I just it's so off the wall for me. I do not see Star Wars fans as like that. I see Star Wars fans as active, passionate, engaged, you know, it's totally different. Totally different from from other franchises. I mean, there are there are those in the fan community that do just they are armchair critics. I mean, there's yeah. almost I mean, I, I folks, I've listened to other podcasts and it's almost like a self-hatred thing going on where all they do is complain and talk about all the crap that they don't like. And then they, they turn around and call themselves fans. It's it's there's almost it's almost sick. Or that guy who's got those videos out there where he's just desecrating the prequels spend Yet, hours how many hours did that did that guy spend doing that my God. to tear something down you know and and you know i i know a lot of fans send us emails saying they think it's funny and 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 you know then they refer to our, uh, ourselves as sycophants and all this stuff and it's like you know what i don't have time for that i want to take something positive out of my fandom or else i'm not going to spend time doing it and calling myself a fan and if you're going to act that way then you shouldn't either so please stop sending us emails about this guy who's made these these you know what? I, I don't want to hear about it anymore. I just don't want to hear about it anymore. I want to take something positive out of my fandom. And I suggest you do the same because I'm not going to support people versus this or. Yeah, I know. exactly. Uh, I, I can't even, see. I don't even want to give them the time of day by even referencing them. So yeah. that's how I feel about it. I'm in it for a positive experience. I'm in it for what my personal opinion tells me that I like. And what I know I like. And I don't need somebody else tearing it down for the sake of entertainment. Because to me, that's not entertaining. And you've got to question your fandom if you find it entertaining. Now, we know we know that there was a lot of critical uh, backlash against Phantom Menace when it came out. But there was one critic out there that Jimmy knows quite well who found a lot of favor in the Phantom Menace. And if I recall, I think it was one of the first reviews might have been the very first review of Phantom Menace, certainly the first one that I read. Well-known film critic. Now, what would he say about seeing Star Wars in 3D? Roger Ebert? Yeah. Well, Roger Ebert's very active on Twitter, and uh, I suggest you follow him at ebertchicago.com. And what Roger says in a recent tweet from this week, he says, as one of the few defenders of Jar Jar Binks, I have zero desire to see him in 3D. No, less than zero. Negative number. Okay, so I, I, the only reason I'm bringing this to everyone's attention is, is not so I can go on a big Roger Ebert rant. 
Because that's not what this is about. And Roger's criticism of the announcement that Star Wars is going to be coming out in 3D and his opinion, his desire, his, his lack of desire to see it in 3D is not a criticism of the film itself. Roger does not like 3D. He feels it destroys the film. He thinks it dims the picture. He finds zero appeal in the process of 3D. He, he sees it as a gimmick, and that's it. And that's Roger's opinion. But I just want people to know, should they read this tweet, Roger isn't tearing down Star Wars. He is just against 3D. He's anti-3D. That's where Roger stands. He believes in, in film being 2D, two-dimensional, up there on the screen, the way it always has been. He looks at 3D as a gimmick, and he doesn't believe that most he, he believes most theaters don't really have the proper facilities to present 3D. So that's Roger's opinion. I, on the other hand, am, of course, you know, I don't even have to explain myself. You know, I, I cannot wait for these films to get back out on the, the big screens again. It's been a long time especially since the original trilogy was on the silver screen. And there has been an entire generation of kids who are now full-fledged adults with careers and their own families. And they have yet to experience it on the silver screen. And that's what it's all about. It's just about moving forward and making it accessible to everyone because that's where Star Wars films need to be seen. Remember those great commercials when the special editions came out, Jason, where it, it was a shot of a TV and there was an X-Wing on the TV and, you know, the, the voiceover guy was sort of, you know, modulated mm-hmm. to make him sound like he was on TV. For years, Star Wars was only watched on TV. No. See it on the silver screen. Right. Now, and the X-Wing <laughs> flew out of the oh. TV and boom. The, I'll oh, never forget it. Music. I'll, I'll never forget seeing that in the theater. And so here we go again. We're, we're doing it all again. And there's a whole generation of people who, who aren't jaded because they grew up with the original trilogy and they have a set opinion that, and they will not budge off that opinion. You know, this is, this is for the new generation. This is for families with children who've never experienced this on the silver screen. And this is for fans like you and me and our listening audience, people who love star Wars and who don't, don't accept what the, what, what the naysayers say and who trust their heart and listen to their gut and, and don't want to be manipulated by what cynical bloggers have to say or jerkwads who have a YouTube account. We don't have time for that. We're here to celebrate Star Wars. So if you don't want to be part of the party, then step aside because we have plenty of people here who are having a good time with it. And we don't really care what you think as Star Wars fans. That's it. That's all I have to say. Well said. All right. Well, you know what? For uh, for the fact that it's been out of uh, theaters for so long, it doesn't mean that there wasn't plenty of uh, Star Wars to be had at this year's Academy Awards. I have to admit, I did not watch. That's what we got Jimmy Mac for. I, <laughs> I knew that if there was anything uh, significant for Star Wars fans that come out of the Oscars, Jimmy would have it for us. So, Jimmy Mac, what's going on with the Academy Awards? I know we've got the big, of course, the big one, Natalie Portman. Big congratulations to her for uh, bringing home the the uh, the little golden man for her turn as uh, Nina Sayers in Black Swan, but uh, what else was there? 
there was Star Wars around every corner at the uh, 2011 Oscars, starting with uh, Tom Kane, the great professional. He's a pro when it comes to doing announcements for the Academy Awards. This isn't the first time he's been behind that microphone. Us Star Wars fans know him as Yoda from the Clone Wars and uh, Yalaren, among others. But uh, he does just such a stellar job. So we have just a little bit of his intro. In case you missed it, here's Tom Kane introducing the Academy Awards. No, we don't, as a matter of fact. Sorry about that. The, there's, the, the file's bad. It has no runtime. Can you fire it off there? Uh, yeah, let me see if I have it here. Okay. Good. This, this gives me a second to calm down because I really, <laughs> I really got all Poor Jimmy. Stuff. You and the live audience, you get all the good stuff. <laughs> you guys. <laughs> I mean, my God. You know, what's, uh, what's the story with uh, all the, the hatred toward an American classic? Like, I, you said it best, man. If you don't like it, just get the, get the hell out of the way. Step aside, man. Listen, I didn't like the Matrix prequels, but I'm not writing blogs every other day about it, okay? <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, the Matrix sequels. Yeah. See, I, I'm on a... Uh, right, here's Tom Kane. Anytime you're ready, Tom. <laughs> we could phone him up and have him react it. <laughs> Unbelievable. We, Unbelievable. Well, you know, when you listen to the show on Friday, it'll be there. <laughs> No, no, no. No, it's I'm not. not cheating. I'm not cheating our audience, our live, our the, the most, <laughs> the, the greatest podcasting audience in the world. I'm not cheating them out of this magic moment. I'm not cheating Mr. Kane out of this moment either. But uh, you're, you're right, Jason. It appears there is a problem with the file. So, uh, but uh, no, because I love Star Wars. That's why I'm here. And that's why I, I, I refuse to give up. <laughs> so... <laughs> And I'm just going to keep on talking until I find what I'm looking for. Yeah. And, and you're not going to stop me. No one could stop me. You know why? Because I have the power. Apparently, the I'm not going to help you either. No. No, you're, you're, you're doing nothing right now. You're not, you're not vamping. Well, I can't get a word in, man. I'm, I'm trying to start. And you're Jimmy's on a roll. Jimmy's on a roll. Oh. No. No, no, it's 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 a role. You know what? I, I'm fueled by midi chlorians right now. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. Take that, haters. That's right. I'm talking about midi chlorians, and you know what? I'm going to start celebrating midi chlorians. As a matter of fact, the rest of the month of March, the Force Cast is dedicated to midi chlorians. What do you think about that, haters? Live from the Kodak Theater at Hollywood and Highland, it's the 83rd Annual Academy Awards. There you go. Tom Kane welcoming everyone to the Academy Awards. Now, obviously, Tom was actually there. Did, did, did you see Tom, Jim? Because sometimes they'll do those, you know, when they cut to commercial or come back from commercial, they'll show the guy doing the voice work. Did they show Tom? You know, if they did, I certainly didn't see it. Um, I would have loved to see Tom in a tux. He's a good looking man. He's very <laughs> tall. And I'm sure he wears a bow tie. <laughs> And, and, a, and a real one. It's not one of those clip-ons. Tom, Tom's got the time. What are you talking about? What do you mean, what am I talking about? I want to see Tom in a tux. So what else was happening at the uh, 2011 Academy Awards related to Star Wars, Jason? Well, t- 
Did you hear the force cast last night? Jimmy Mack totally unraveled. <laughs> they finally broke him. The haters finally broke Jimmy Mack. No, no they did not. They did not. Not only is the month of March dedicated to midichlorians, the month of April, Jar Jar Binks. Month of May, Kitster. Okay, haters, <laughs> suck on that. All right. Uh, Kitster in 3D, by the way. I I can't even, <laughs> can't even imagine... <laughs> as long as we're talking Academy Awards, yeah, I would like to see a Lifetime Achievement Award <laughs> for Kidster. <laughs> just, just the character. I mean, not even the actor. All right, well, let's talk about the Academy Awards. George Lucas was not there, but he did take part in a video montage that was shown during the ceremony as Francis Coppola, his mentor and friend, won the received. I guess you don't win it. You receive it the Irving G. Thalberg Memorial Award. And I believe we have a, a clip of George's comments in the video. Francis was the guiding light. He was the person who inspired us all. Yeah, of that whole group of aspiring filmmakers at that time, Francis Coppola was sort of like, he, he's the godfather. He's the godfather really of that of that era of, of filmmaker. Yeah, it's really incredible to think of the talent that came out of, uh, specifically out of uh, USC in their film department, uh, you know, back in the late 60s, early 70s. You know, I mean, sure, you could say they were in the right place at the right time, but gosh darn it, these guys had the talent to back it up, and their legacy still lives on to this day. You know, guys like, like you know, Coppola, Lucas, you know, you also group them in with guys like Scorsese. Spielberg. I mean, these guys just—they've done so much for the industry and so much for for fans. You know, I mean, what would we do without their contributions to the history of filmmaking? It, it's it's inconceivable to think of movies today without guys like Coppola and Lucas. It really is. It is, and how about guys like John Williams that certainly contribute to. Uh, Films in their in their own way, in a way that is, you know, without them, without them, it's hard to conceive of you know some of these iconic moments in these great films uh, without the music of John Williams. And there was a uh, tribute to the, which they do this a lot at the Academy Awards. Sure, uh, you know they have a tribute to great movie music. Now this was not uh, actually, no, this was this was part of the actual uh, that night, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. You know, this, was, this was this wasn't like at a previous. <laughs> on another night, we, no, you know, th those awards. Uh, no, this, this, was, this was one of my favorite moments of the entire evening. This is right before they gave away the Oscar for Best Original Score. And they kicked it off with, you're, you're going to hear a very familiar sounder. And then they, they start off this montage of, of incredibly famous movie themes, iconic music from the silver screen, and they kick it all off with John Williams' Star Wars. And what was really neat is that in the background, right as the amazing, familiar initial notes of the, the Star Wars main theme kick in, they did a sort of light thing that made it look like the stage was jumping into hyperspace. It was very cool. You can see it on YouTube and you'll see what I'm talking about. But here's what it sounded like when they kicked off the uh, suite of famous themes. Music and sound are forever linked to the magic of motion pictures.
applause? Hear that applause? See, that, of course, that, that fanfare still gets the, the hairs on the back of my neck to stand it up. Has, it has that profound effect because you know what you're hearing and you know what it represents. And it's just so, it's so woven into our cultural fabric at this point. Not, it, you know, it's not like just the nerd community hears that music and goes, yay, you know. This <laughs> is a part of Americana. This is not, not even that. That doesn't even do it justice. This is a part of universal pop culture history. It, that, that doesn't even do it justice. This is history. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we can. All right. Now, this was, uh, I found this pretty interesting. I guess um, Steven Spielberg was backstage with Natalie Portman after uh, she'd won the Oscar, and there she is, you know, standing next to Spielberg, and they're both uh, of, uh, of Jewish heritage, and she says, I'm cavelling. And uh, Spielberg apparently said to Natalie Portman, you know who's cavelling right now? George. So Spielberg clearly knowing that George has taken an interest and continues to take an interest in Natalie Portman's career. I mean, when she was named, Jim, do you remember... That Entertainment Weekly issue, that fateful issue when the cast of The Phantom Menace was actually named, and it was like, Ewan McGregor, who? Oh, the guy, the, the, the addict from Train Spotting? Oh, yeah. Liam Neeson, Rob Roy. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> you, know, you know, and, and, and Natalie Portman, oh, didn't, wasn't she in that movie about the little girl with the hitman? That's all I knew of Natalie Portman. You know what's kind of funny? And, and here uh, she is yeah. now. You see, yeah, it's cavelling right in front of our very eyes. But um, <laughs> the, the, the Ewan McGregor thing, I knew of Ewan's work, not through train spotting, which was the thing he was probably most known for prior to Star Wars, but he did an amazing cameo in an episode. It was in 1994 on an episode of ER where he was a guy who was holding up a corner bodego. In Chicago, and we nobody in Chicago calls those little corner markets bodegos anyway. That's a total New York thing, but they <laughs> they did in this episode, and um, and Ewan was fantastic in that episode. I mean, he was amazing. And as I watched that episode, I thought to myself, wouldn't he make a great Anakin Skywalker in the prequels? So. I mean, imagine my shock when it was announced that he was going to be Obi-Wan Kenobi because up till that point, we were hearing rumors it was going to be Kenneth Branagh. But, right. But, uh, but I mean, Ewan, uh, he totally nailed it as, as Obi-Wan, and he made that prequel characterization of Obi-Wan Kenobi his own. But uh, I, I swear to God, I saw that episode, and I thought this guy would be fantastic in the Star Wars prequels. And sure enough, you know, that, that Entertainment Weekly came out, and there he was. And, uh, you know, I was like, oh, but he's going to be Obi-Wan. Hey, that's good enough for me. Anakin's going to be nine? What? By the way, Are- those of you listening, yes, there was a time when we had to get our information from things like magazines. Yeah. <laughs> we- magazines. <laughs> Television shows. Yeah. Right. like that. I know it sounds prehistoric, but uh, <laughs> that's how it went down. <laughs> 
So, yeah. Uh, so yeah. So Natalie, you know, and of course she, um, she won. She, she, you know, she, she won. It was a, a big night for her. I, I don't think anybody was really surprised, especially after she took home that Golden Globes. And um, she did her speech. She said um a lot. Uh, several people wrote us emails about that. I didn't really notice that when it was happening. I was just, I was caught up in the moment. She was pretty emotional on stage. And, uh, and uh, something uh, our listener Thomas from Louisiana, he sent us an email and he says, Hey guys, Natalie Portman did not thank George Lucas for hiring her during her Oscar acceptance speech. She thanked Luke Benson for the professional, of course. It was a role that kickstarted her career and garnered her much attention. Some might argue that it was this role that eventually led to her casting as Queen Amidala in episode one. She also thanked Mike Nichols for Closer, which she was also nominated for an Academy Award. Um, Thomas goes on and says, introspective of one's opinion of the Star Wars prequels, starring in them certainly did not hurt Natalie's career. I feel some expression of gratitude or thanks, at least a mention among all the other individuals she did thank, including her hair and makeup team, toward the man that cast her in the biggest, most culturally significant franchise in movie history, would have been both fitting and appropriate. Discuss from Thomas. So, <laughs> Thomas, you know, I, I hear you. I hear you. I was, I was uh, wondering why she didn't mention George, but if you listen closely to uh, her acceptance speech, it's not like she completely ignored Star Wars. Uh, thank you so much to the Academy. This is insane. Um, I want to thank my team. Uh, the Senate. Who works with me every day. Um, Aline Kashishin. My loyal bodyguard. For 18 years. And um, my agent. Senator Palpatine. You are a fearless leader, a visionary. So many people helped me prepare for this role. Um, thank you, R2-D2. Thank you, Supreme Chancellor. And um, my beautiful love, Annie, has now given me my most important role uh, of my life. Queen Amidala of the Naboo. Um, most importantly, my, my family, my friends, and my love. Jaja Binks. Thank you so much. <laughs> See what I'm saying? It's not like she ignored Star Wars. See, folks, do you see the service provided to you by the Forcecast? You did not even, you didn't have to endure four and a half hours of the Academy Awards to get all of your Star Wars references. You just got to listen to the Forcecast. We'll, we'll bring them all to you. Great work, Jimmy. Great work, my man, tracking all that stuff down. And obviously, you know, big... Big congrats to Natalie Portman. It was uh, well-deserved. We know the Academy was giving her that, not because of her work in Black Swan, but it was because they slighted her during the years of the prequels by not nominating her as Best Actress, which they know they should have. Now that guilt is lifted off of them. The blood is off their hands. They can go on about their lives knowing they've done the right thing. Thus, Star Wars is honored. Natalie's been honored. 
I've been honored, quite honestly. And I'd also be honored if you quit sending me emails telling me to check out this guy who wants to rip apart the prequels frame by frame. I don't care about it. I don't think it's funny. I think the guy's a hideous human being. And uh, I suggest you ignore it with every fiber of your soul if you consider yourself a Star Wars fan. Uh, All right. How do you really feel, Jimmy Mack? Well had a great time being with you this week on the force cast huge thanks to captain tarkin as we know him now from the clone Wars, steven stanton thank you so much steven for reaching out to us on the force cast facebook page and for agreeing to come on the program great to have you get to know you a little bit and we hope to have you on again soon class act all the way lots of different ways that you can be part of the force cast Send us an email, forcecast at forcecast.net. Leave us a voicemail, 330-754-05-FC. That's 330-754-05-FC. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash forcecast. And we've been mentioning it quite a bit tonight, our Facebook page at facebook.com slash forcecast. Preview what's coming up on Forcecast Live. Photos of Jimmy's Star Wars room. Comments from Stephen Stanton. All kinds of stuff. Great photos and uh, just an incredible community of folks that are constantly posting on our wall and all kinds of cool stories and commentary and what you'd expect from the Force cast. iTunes. iTunes. Yes. Individual show feeds are coming for all of the shows here at the Force cast network. The weekly show is there. This show now available a la carte. And iTunes. Just do a search for Forcecast. You'll find it there. And we need some reviews. So even if you um, get the catch-all feed, which is what you're subscribed to now, if you're receiving this show through iTunes, even if you're subscribed to that feed because you want all of the great uh, programming from the Forcecast, that's fine. But leave us a review over at the weekly Forcecast iTunes feed. And look for more individualized feeds coming your way soon. Just another way we can make your Forcecast listening experience all the better. Our website, of course, still there. Your home, your source, your number one place on the Internet for all things and everything Forcecast at Forcecast.net. Read our blog. Check out our photos. All the shows are there in our extensive archives. Links to our forums. The Editorials Project, don't forget, again, another example of Star Wars fans being actively involved in fandom, send those to Eric at theforce.net. Also, we have apps available for your smartphone if you're using an iOS device or an Android device. They're available in the iTunes App Store and in the marketplace for Android. So check them out. That's going to do it for us this week. Oh, that's going to do it all right. <laughs> We'll I, see. I'm, I'm, I'm like sweating here. So. I'm sure. <laughs> Jimmy's got the sweat towel out. All and, right. And, you, know, you, yeah. you guys listen. I, I, you know, yeah, I, I'm pretty opinionated about this because it's, it's something I'm very passionate about. It's not anything that I really planned on talking about tonight. It just sort of came out. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners feel the same way I do. There's no need to support the hatred. We're Star Wars fans. Okay. And we don't kid ourselves about it. 
And and I, I, I personally take exception to people who say that, you know, we're sycophants and we need to give the finger to the franchise and the, to George and everything. I think that's a bunch of bull. And I, I don't want to support that kind of stuff. And this is the only time I'm going to talk about it. I'm done after tonight. I, I am done addressing this issue. Everyone knows where I stand. I, I'm sure some of you are, are against what I'm saying, and that's fine. That's your opinion. I don't. I, I'm not treading on your opinion. I just don't think it has a place in my fandom. And and I I, I just I, I want to celebrate Star Wars. I don't want to hate on it, and I, I want to encourage Star Wars fans who do find humor in the hatred that comes out of things like blogs and YouTube just to, just to, just for one second say to yourself is it worth sacrificing the purity of my Star Wars fandom to encourage this kind of behavior because I say absolutely not we, we have to take more responsibility because there's a whole generation of young kids who are growing up and they're loving Star Wars. And as Jason read from one of the more well-thought-out blogs that we talked about tonight, is that these kids aren't talking about hatred for midichlorians or who shot first or Jar Jar Binks. They're accepting it. They're celebrating it. They're loving it. They're growing up with it. And those kids will become adults just like we all did. And hopefully they'll have the purity of Star Wars and the love of the franchise to keep it alive in the way that we try to on the Force cast. Don't give in to the hate. Don't encourage it. Stand up with us on the Force cast. Celebrate Star Wars for what it is. And let's look forward to February 2012 when we're all going to flock back in the theaters and, and celebrate the Phantom Menace, regardless of what the critics say, regardless of how they try to shove that into your throat and tell you, you can't like this, even though you know in your gut you love it. Don't listen to them. Stand up. Be proud. Be proud to be a Star Wars fan. That's what's important to me. That was, that's what should be important to you. And support the celebration of Star Wars. And that, that's really it, guys. This isn't gonna, I'm not going to be going on these rants every week. I wasn't planning on going on a rant like that this week. It just came out of me. This is, this is very organic, this, this sort of, this, 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 the, the way I'm throwing my opinions out here tonight. And, uh, and, and I just hope you understand where I'm coming from. You can respect that. And, and don't, don't rub that hatred in my face because I'm not going to pay any attention to it. Well said. Well said. We'll see you next time, guys. Love you so much. Thanks for your support of the Star Wars franchise in the Force cast here and our contributions. See you next week. For the Force cast, I'm Jason. And I'm Jimmy Mack. And remember, the Force will be with you always. This podcast is not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited or 20th Century Fox and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The official Star Wars site can be found at www.starwars.com. Star Wars, all names and sounds of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of TheForce.net LLC unless otherwise indicated.
I always had this feeling we were like two little kids who kind of got to go into a playground and just run around and have a lot of fun with each other. <laughs>